0: here is Bryce Johnson.
1: Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, Charlotte edition. It's the show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing well today. I have got a special guest in studio and it's more along the entertainment lines today. He's a comedian. He's a pastor. He's a father of four, he's a husband, and he was raised by deaf parents. So we have got a lot to get into with my friend Chris Roop here in the Unpacking It Studios. Chris, welcome. How are you?
2: I am amazing.
1: Man, we're we're glad we're glad, we're glad you're here and uh you you're wearing your Braves shirt today. I'm not sure we'll talk uh, we'll talk Braves, <laughs> but we're going to talk Panthers and and comedy and and faith and so uh, we're going to have some fun. So glad glad you're here. And and let's start with the Panthers because man, there's there's so many things to discuss and so many possible decisions on the line this off season and it's interesting to hear perspectives nationally. I've been listening to some different shows then locally, and then from the actual fans. And so you're a, a diehard Panthers fan. So first question, Cam Newton. And then second question, we'll discuss Christian McCaffrey. So thoughts on Cam? Where do you think he ends up? Do you want the Panthers to keep him around next season?
2: I would say I am probably 90% sure he's not going to be here.
1: He's gone. Anything? That's where I would, I would agree.
2: And I think it's a great decision. I'm not anti-Cam. I'm not necessarily pro-Cam. I'm I'm neutral. I'm a fan of Cam being able to throw the ball and win. (laughs) That's a big (laughs) thing.
1: Being healthy would help.
2: Yeah, but here's my whole thing. Um, We've lost a lot of stuff, and Matt Rule has a thing that he's done in the last uh, at the uh, two places he was at. He tanks the first year, rebuilds. Yep, his guys. Yep, Cam Newton is. Only one reason he stays, and that's if you're not tanking. (laughs) Yeah. And, I mean, why would we not tank uh, next year? I mean, we're going to be, at best, an 8-8 team, and that's if a miracle happened, you know, a great pickup in the offseason of some sort. But we don't have an offensive line. Uh, That's been decimated, which means Cam's not going to be able to probably run the ball. He's going to be getting a lot of pressure. So I think it's a tank season, right? Yeah. I mean, let's tank it. I wouldn't even go get a backup quarterback. I'd use what we got. You <laughs> yeah,
1: know? you could roll out with Kyle Allen.
2: I would say, is it not a tank for Trevor year?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm on board for that. Now, it's always, it, just, it ends up being a really hard season because I was reading an article on The Athletic and, and they were talking about the 2-14 season with Jimmy Clausen, And that year, I went to every single game at, at home preseason and regular season (laughs) and that year and i don't know if i've been back since maybe i've been to a couple games since what yeah barely (laughs) that like took a lot out of me as a fan so like in theory i i support yeah let's let's you know get a top pick and you you rebuild You, you want a quarterback and if you can get trevor lawrence that'd be sweet and so there's an understanding of that and even with the dolphins this year i think dolphins fans recognized what they were doing but then all of a sudden they started winning they played hard. So if you continue to play hard, you see glimpses, you see a couple guys mm. emerge, then it's okay. My biggest issue with the tank thought and ultimately this is a rebuild. Olsen's gone, Keekley's gone, I think Cam's gone. So it is going whether you like it or not, it is going to be right. a rebuild. But to me the tanking makes it seem like you're really trying to lose and it, and the attitude of that is really tough. I
2: know. I, and that's different. The two and fourteen season, um, the the difference between the two that year, they were trying. <laughs> that's what makes that so bad. That's what takes the air out of yourself.
1: Yeah, Claussen was trying to prove himself and yeah. wanted to be a guy and prove that he could not, which was which was hard oh, for him. For sure. It was rough, terrible. And, but, uh, and
2: he, yeah, that was a thing where they really believed in him, and it's like, nah, he's terrible.
1: But but my, but my challenge with the tanking is the fact that you have one of the best players in the league on your roster in Christian McCaffrey that is tough and if I'm Christian McCaffrey I don't want to be a part of that I don't want to run behind a sorry offensive line or one that isn't you know you're not investing a a lot of money in and well that should
2: be building I mean I'm kind of hoping the first pick is an offensive lineman true and I and I'd be fine with that Alabama would be spectacular yeah, if he fell that far. But
1: then, what do you do with with McCaffrey? Do you you, you get for one? You got to wonder about the big contract, which I'm hesitant about because you look at the Super Bowl running backs in the last ten years. Hardly any of them are are paid very well. The C.J. Andersons, the uh, Legarrette Blunts of the world.
2: Is he going to want that big of a contract, or is he going to want to stay in Charlotte? I guess that's the that's the question. I mean, he's going to want to get paid, obviously, but. Man, that's a great question. You know, I think that's the reason. You know, I have the same theory about quarterbacks. Mm. You know, you don't have to be – if you have a dominant offensive line, a dominant – you know, I still make the argument. I'm probably going to get in trouble for this one. Uh Uh-oh. I'm with you on the Christian McCaffrey thing because I think Dallas Cowboys, Emmitt Smith, was a a better than average quarterback, but not – Running back. Running back, I'm sorry. Of all time. He's mm-hmm. just above average. He's not mm-hmm. a, a great running back. He had the greatest offensive line in the history of mankind. Um, fair. And I honestly believe this. This might be – this is going to shock you. Uh-oh. I would have been a good running back <laughs> behind the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> offensive line. I w- I I'm, not even, I'm not even that athletic. But I'm pretty sure those holes are big enough to fit me. Wow. And I would have just – I would have got three to four yards of carry. Now, I'm not – I might have got lucky and broke one out, and I might have got hurt, you know, pretty early. But I think I could have done it. So, my argument is on saying that what we need is an offensive line.
1: Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Build the offensive line. And if we lose Christian McCaffrey, I wouldn't lose
2: him. Although I'd hate that because I'm a Christian McCaffrey fan. I don't want to say that, like, I want him gone.
1: Well, it's funny because I've said this a couple times to different fans. Like, yeah – with a rebuild, Christian McCaffrey's not going to want to wait around three years and get you know, hundreds and right. hundreds of touches every year where he's the only guy to get the ball to, and he's taking a pounding for, for what, ultimately? I mean, I guess if he's getting paid, then that's your job, and you end up doing it, but man, that's hard. Because we saw what, what it Absolutely. did to Barry Sanders in Detroit. You that, know, when you're a great running back on a bad team, that wears yes. you down.
2: And not only that, they, they were just dumb. You know, back then, which is a little different the way we play now, but back then they were also running a single back and not even giving him an eye formation. Could you imagine if he oh. had an offensive line or somebody to occasionally block for him?
1: <laughs> he had to create all himself.
2: He is the greatest running back. I'm, I'm, I'm up there with Jim Brown, of course, and Walter Payton.
1: I'm, I'm there, too. You know who I always feel is underrated is Ladanian Tomlinson. He was Absolutely. incredible. Now people, go, oh, hall of famer, and, and they know he's True. good, but they don't. I don't always hear his name mentioned as the That's best. A fair one. Well, but since it's... I've been watching football, Ladanian I mean Barry was first for when I was younger, but Ladainian Tomlinson was right there.
2: The problem with him, probably same thing with Barry, except for Ladainian. He he was a power back and would just you know kill it every time and great like Jim Brown, but not but as good. He
1: could catch it out of the backfield. I thought he was.
2: Yeah, he, I think that when you watched Barry Sanders, it was like. It was artistic. And was. because was he was beautiful. on a terrible team, he didn't get noticed. But because of Damian Thompson, also a terrible team.
1: No, he was on some good teams with, with Gates and Rivers and all that. But they never won. And that's why it goes back to yeah. it's hard to find a lot of great elite running backs that won Super Bowls, that lead their teams playoff, to Super Bowls. How many playoffs did they ever Especially win? with your argument for MS Smith. How many what? How
2: many playoff games did San Diego win with, with them? With those th- three
1: studs, mean? I know. Gosh, maybe two. It was not many.
2: Nah, I don't even know if it was that many.
1: I know it was. It, they had a that's rough the time. Problem.
2: And Rivers stuck it out, which he shouldn't have. He's a good quarterback, even though he played at NC State. But that's, that's right. You know, that's terrible. But um, he was. A, he's really good. Now nah, he's a whole other conversation. Yeah, he's
1: the got day. the big. He's got the big numbers. I just don't know how much of a winner he is. I think that's been proven. Year well, after. I always joke the, the, the Chargers every t- every week. You turn the game on at about. 6:45 because they're always the four o'clock game, and it's the fourth quarter. They're usually within six points of the game, and they find a way to lose. They're pretty consistent, fair. but he, he's gone, so we'll see where Rivers ends up. But uh, all right,
2: I'm I'm with you on the on the Christian McCaffrey. I'm open. I think that if he was to go, I'm okay with that. Again. Which
1: is crazy to think because you hate to give get rid of one of the best players in the league. Yes. He he won me my fantasy league last year, and and so I, I I'm a huge fan, but. I just almost feel sorry for him. Like I almost want what's best for him, which is a yeah, weird thing to say as a fan.
2: If he will stay around, lead. I'm okay with. I also am okay with if he's willing to gut it out. And but in three years, I think we can be a really good team if you build the offensive line back up. I still feel like our receivers are better than people give them credit for. You you've got to put that put the ball in their hands, obviously where they can catch it occasionally. Um, <laughs> but I think they're good. They're solid. I mean, there's no superstar. Yeah,
1: Moore more and Samuel are nice. They're nice players. Yeah. And I think if Moore is your number two, wow, then now you've got a good add one receiving core.
2: That's true. Add So you add your one, get you a, a good quarterback. Again, he doesn't have to be a superstar, but somebody who can throw it, sit in a pocket, throw the ball. I know we're in a different era, so that'll be interesting. Um whether or not we get the running quarterback again but I'm okay with that plan and then let Christian McCaffrey become your but now that he's unique even different than Sanders and that's why I I don't know if you throw him in the traditional pack with a lot of running backs in the past I mean his catching abilities are insane his run ability is really good he's not really a pounder although he's proven if he had to he can do it but he's just – he is a different breed. Mm. I don't know if we – have we had anybody like him? Can we think of anybody who played his game exactly the way he plays it?
1: Oh, gosh, yeah, that's hard to say.
2: I, I can't think of anybody. I mean, the closest ones are the ones already out there, Aaron Jones and, um, and, and Kamara. Uh, aren't they – I would say they're
1: Yeah, similar. but similar. But to me what makes McCaffrey so special is he, he knows how to go down and how to take hits. A lot of running backs, you know, they just get banged up, and, and and that's like my fear for him. But then at the same time, I think he understands how to play so well, and when to get out of bounds, and when to avoid the big hits. That it, it gives you more hope that he can actually have a little bit longer of a career compared to most running backs. Right. And so there there is something positive about that, but. If you start talking about gutting a roster and rebuilding and that offensive line gets even worse, it makes it even harder for him to yeah, avoid yeah. the big hits and, and to to end up dealing with some injuries. We,
2: we won't get and one thing I'm gonna go ahead and encourage you on, we're not gonna get worse at the offensive line.
1: <laughs> That's fair. I ho- I know, sure hope not. I
2: mean we'll maintain at, at at worst, right? I mean it's it was pretty rough this year. And I don't think it was totally their fault. I think it was injuries.
1: Partly to be fair. Yeah. Uh
2: but they're not they're not a great line.
1: No, they've, they've got to make some some decisions. And um, so, yeah, I think Daryl Williams will end up being gone. Uh, and, and hopefully they're able to keep Taylor Moten. I think he's been the one guy that, yeah. that's been solid at right yes. tackle. So, all right, the other big question is, and I've been listening and I watch the show Speak for Yourself, and they've been throwing this conversation around. With Joe Brady now becoming the offensive coordinator for the Panthers, they go out, you know, get him from LSU. And you know, get a young guy, take a little bit of a, a chance on him. Does the thought process then lead to the Panthers saying, "Okay, we've already got him. Now we need to go get Joe Burrow. So we need to do whatever it takes to get Joe Burrow." We assume the Bengals will take him number one, but now there's a little bit of a push that Tua's getting healthy, and and maybe the Bengals could even get Tua a tongue of Alea, and so um that that's interesting but for the Panthers are they willing to give up a ton to go get Joe Burrow and my biggest question is this is Joe Brady like so determined to always remain attached to Joe Burrow thinking well yeah I mean I had all the successes this you know passing game coordinator or whatever his role was at LSU and he got the most out of Joe Burrow, because Joe Burrow didn't do a lot before this past season and then had one of the greatest seasons in college football for a quarterback, wins the Heisman and the championship. And so it's always one of those things, who gets the credit? Burrow, Brady, did Brady get the best out of them? And so if you're the Panthers, do you say, we want to have this combination? Or you say, hey, no, we, we believe in Brady so much that we can find a quarterback that he's going to develop and get the most out of. And to me, that's very intriguing. And it'll say a lot about kind of their perspective of Brady uh, based on what they end up doing at the quarterback position.
2: Yeah, I, I just don't know. I don't know what we could do to get him. Because Be- it, not only us, but think about it. Let's, let's go with the scenario that you said that Tua goes to Cincinnati, which I can't fathom. But you're going to have Miami, who has far more resources than we do, mm-hmm. to give up. They're going to get Tua or they're going to get Burrow. I think that's the, the problem. <sighs>
1: right you would think you would think and and the same thought process, i guess for the dolphins and the panthers is is this the year you want to get a quarterback or maybe you're still adding the pieces and you're still a year you know a couple years uh, away i think
2: this is it for the the dolphins are proving they're a pretty decent team uh are they, they a need quarterback a, I away think, i think they well it's
1: magic you roll two it two out years, one more you no. <laughs> you get it's, a couple more pieces stay.
2: You know, the rumor was Fitz was coming here. Did you hear that? <laughs> he might as well. That's, but that's He's crazy. already played for
1: 15 teams. He might as well play for another one.
2: No, I am. I am. Uh, I don't believe. I don't even. I don't think we have the resources to do it. Unless you did a, a first rounder and a Christian McCaffrey. But you're giving up two first rounders for one. That,
1: But oh, th- that man. just. Well, we've already seen with Tepper. He gets what he wants. He went out. He wanted Matt Rule. He paid him a ridiculous yeah. contract. Yeah. And then they went and, and didn't seem like Joe Brady was going to leave LSU. They found a way to get him. So.
2: Well, we're worse than Miami. We're in a worse position than Miami is as far as you're going to go get Burrow now. We're still two years from even being able to be decent, I think.
1: Yeah, so you hate to bring in a young quarterback. And you wouldn't play him necessarily. So you'd want him to yeah. sit, sit for a, a year maybe. Um, versus throwing him in, out there and then he becomes Derek Carr, or David Carr I should say, right, right. with the Texans. Um, when he was the number one pick and just got destroyed. And then his career never he was able to that, get going. Um, and then he ended up with the Panthers at one point wearing, well, wearing those mean. white gloves, remember? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, know, and, you know, some people like the same arguments for you know a lot of quarterbacks, so that's a common,
1: yeah, common I, concern. Well, we just saw with Patrick Mahomes, he waited a year behind Alex Smith, right. and it benefited him greatly, so I always lean toward that, actually, anyway. Um, well, th- th- always love talking Panthers, and uh, we'll continue talking Panthers throughout the offseason and, and plenty more uh, decisions to be made and free agency coming up, and the Panthers are going to have to make some decisions on guys they kind of let go and, and release. And, and to me, anybody over the age of 27, you probably say goodbye to because they're not a part of the, the three- to five-year plan. So. Right. That's going to be interesting to see. Uh, but since I, I've got you here today, Chris, I, w- I was thinking last night, since you're in the, the, the comedy world, so I love comedy, I love sports, and when those two merge together, it's always a lot of fun. And yep. I'll, I'll always make the argument that the best show on TV, my favorite sports show, is inside the NBA. So Ernie Johnson, Charles Barkley, Shaq, Kenny Smith – it's NBA All-Star Weekend. I can't wait to watch all the, the festivities and, and their coverage of it. And so I would put them as the funniest sports show. And the reason they're so successful is because of the comedy that they uh allow within their show. They don't take themselves too seriously, and it just seems to work. But what's what's interesting is it's it's pretty rare to find in sports, in sports television. Right. Where there's a freedom to go there, to actually rip on each other, to tell jokes, to, you know, they'll show different social media cl- uh, pictures and gifts and all that kind of thing. And they're always laughing, having a good time. But as an as a audience member, I love viewing that and tuning in for it. I think there's a hint of it on College Game Day. That's why they have a successful show. Uh, but other than that, PTI has a little bit of it because uh, they can rip on each other and laugh at, at each other and that kind of thing. What is your perspective, though, on seeing comedy, finding comedy in sports shows, and do you find that sports shows take themselves too seriously too often?
2: Absolutely, I think they do. <laughs> I mean, I, I it, you know, it's a lot. Again, it's entertainment, and so why are we being so serious? I mean, it's a game. That's, that's right. my that's my ultimate thing. It's a game, and we should we're watching it to have fun and actually it probably would help if when you're losing if somebody's having a you know laughing a little bit at right. time you know and a lot of people i mean the ones that you remember i mean again when you think about when you watch certain shows i'll always look forward to on sunday morning um when you're watching the uh the pregame on fox i'm waiting to see what the picks are going to be so i can see the the comedy bit uh um uh, that that comes up
1: with and with
0: rob riggle
2: with rob riggle but i liked it much better with frank yeah, um, I think he's amazing. And Frank's always been known for his voices, which he's on the tour right now. He's on a tour trying to just be a comedian without
1: the voices. Oh, is he really? Uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. He had
2: a whole new deal where he's traveling around and only doing stand-up. And then at the very end, as a thank you for sitting through me attempting to be a straight-up comedian, I'll give you 10 minutes of
1: voices. Oh, that's so interesting. You should
2: check that out. Yeah, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know where he's at right now. This is about a year ago or so when he was— solidly on the road and it was like showing up at clubs like charlotte
1: wow
2: and just doing a doing a set
1: i've been a fan of his gosh since i was in high school he's been around a long time doing it and and i love the impersonations and i would say his perspective on sports because he you know he's been with fox he's been with espn i saw him the other day on fox and and he captures a lot of you know sports figures and is able to do those impersonations so I've always loved his involvement in it from a comedy perspective. I actually like Rob Riggle. I I record it and watch it every week, uh, his little bit at the end of yeah. the, the pregame show. But Terry Bradshaw's hilarious. I think his con- they do a yes. good job. That's another show that adds a lot of comedy. But you know who my favorite guy currently who who's just emerged onto the sports scene as a comedian, well, just as a funny person, is Cooper Manning. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Have you seen his I yes. mean his bits? He's yeah. so clever and naturally funny.
2: It's a little different twist, but it yeah, is. I think it's the natural bent of it um, that's uh, that I like about him. Just very clever. Well, his bro- I mean,
1: his, uh, both his brothers are funny too well, on SNL. I thought both were great. I think Peyton
2: is really, really funny. I think. Cooper's the best, and Peyton. Then just I'm not a fan of Eli. Period. So, <laughs> good good I kinda, riddance is all I'm saying.
1: I Kind of lean R- toward that way too. Retire away. But but I, I think I tweeted <laughs> this out. But my hope for Monday Night Football is for that for them to add Peyton, absolutely, and, and Eli, and Cooper. Not Eli. Put Peyton them all Peyton and
2: Cooper, um, and then you need one. Uh, you know, somebody to carry the carry the load. And, and make sure they're actually staying on track.
1: <laughs> Could you imagine? How fun? I mean, that would be must-watch television. Well, you would
2: have somebody who actually knows football, yep. uh, which we found out with Tony Romo, is if they know what they're doing and do it well, very helpful. Um, somebody to carry the load, and then you got somebody to, to help keep it funny that is actually uh, funny. They'd probably need to prep a little bit and stuff. He, I'm not sure if he's spontaneously funny. That's going to be the issue. That you don't know with him, but I'm gonna assume he is. I mean, oh yeah, right?
1: yeah. Those guys, those guys are hilarious. Which, as so. a side
2: note, you know, I just saw that article on. Is it is it whose son is Arch Manning? The oh, I, the high schooler.
1: I think it's it might is even it be it might even be Cooper's I think it son. Is. I'm not sure though. I'm not positive. Is, I on know it. it's not
2: Peyton's, and I know it's not Eli's. So there's only one other brother. That's right? He's so the Cooper.
1: forgotten brother. So it's Cooper. So okay. would that be hilarious that his son is the next Manning? Well, and they say player.
2: better than the other two. Oh my god, that's goodness. what they're saying. Oh, I don't know. That's a lot of pressure. I saw Are some footage me? on him from high school throwing the ball. His deep pass is stupid good. Wow, deep and accurate. Anyway, that's a whole side. Note. Uh, that's
1: awesome. Well, uh, let, I do want our listeners to to get to know you a little bit, and and you're you know comedian here in Charlotte and and so uh, i guess a, a couple of years ago it really started your career started to to ramp up a, a little bit more what kind of led to that and and kind of where are you at in the journey of being a stand up comedian and and continuing to to grow your career
2: yeah it 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 always was like a bucket list item that one day i'd like to get up and do 5 minutes and cuz i love i love comedy in general and i love to be funny Uh, Not just at parties, but uh, as a communicator in in churches and stuff, I've always tried to incorporate humor. So, my other high, high interest is um, working with um, adoptions. Mm. You know, I've always had a heart and a passion uh, feeling like the church has this responsibility very clearly in Scripture to make sure to take care of orphans and widows. It's one thing that we can always kind of clearly agree on. So, um, I wanted to find a way to raise money for um, adoptions and people it's a very expensive process for folks so I said what if there was a fund that would do that where people who were wanting to adopt and who could get grants and scholarships and stuff to help help with their adoption so I didn't know how to raise money and then I thought what if I put the two together Mm. and and so I, I found a guy out of Columbia Marty Simpson and asked him, you know, I was trying to keep the budget low. I'd never done an event like this, and so I asked him if he'd come up do a comedy show, and all the money would go towards uh, helping with adoptions. And so, and I said, here's the trick: I want to get up and do some time, so I could knock this off my bucket list. Love it. And so he he said, you know, pastors have this thing where they want to do it. I'm just saying it's fine, but make sure you practice before you go up there because you could you could really bomb hard Ooh. and i said okay and so he said I'll, I'll go with you to your open mic we'll go do an open mic five minutes and so i drove down to columbia and i bit it hard oh you did i did it was embarrassing it
1: was tough. Oh, no no laughs or well you're you're just so bad at delivery or what was it so here's what happened <laughs> I'm going to tell you straight
2: up. I, because my parents are deaf, I said, I'm going to do some jokes about deaf parents. Now, I did it more about deafness in general. And so I got up there, and probably within the first 15 to 30 seconds, I'm already doing deaf voices.
1: Oh.
2: And so. <laughs> they don't know
1: who you are. They don't. No. Yeah, that's but hard. And it's in
2: a dive, man, where the, you know, there's all kind of people in this room that are just. Well, the guy who went up before me was a guy who's a, a doctor, but not like a real doctor. He's a doctor who can dispense marijuana Ooh. or something. And he looked like a. I mean, it was that kind of a crowd is all I'm saying. It was rough anyway. And here I am doing deaf voices and they're like, I'm pretty sure you can't do that. <laughs> and so afterwards, Marty said to me, I got two things I want you to write down. These are two things. Number one, um, here's how you can do better. Don't, don't, don't do the deaf voices. Ooh. Um, number two, you're not funny. <laughs> So if you could work on those two things, <laughs> you might you might be able to make it. So I had, oh, I, had pretty, I had a pretty strong determination at that point that I was going to figure it out, and so I did and and uh, put it together and we did the show and it uh, it went really well. And there's this thing called a comedy bug, and if it bites you, Ooh, you're in trouble. You're in. And so I got bit. I just kept going to open mics and competitions and. Uh, Traveling all over, been to Nashville doing competitions. And then, um, so this has been about a three year journey. But it finally, about two years in, which was last year, it started to click. And I started really putting the pieces together and, and was a, uh, a finalist at uh, the Clean Comedy Challenge in Nashville. And it kind of opened some doors where I've been on the Huckabee Show, uh, stuff like that, that I'm starting to get some traction, uh, still putting it together.
1: You were at the Unpacking It fundraiser yes. dinner, fundraising dinner. So that yeah. was a big moment for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: oh, it was. You know, I, I say, you know, there's two things that you know, there's things that you aspire to do, and you know, you know, doing Madison Square Garden that kind of stuff, packing it out would be awesome, and then the other one is the unpacking it. Yeah, you know, that's my
1: thought. Yeah, well, it makes sense. So, <laughs> so we, we so I'm not
2: one of those off my list.
1: <laughs> so you're, now, Madison Square Garden's <laughs> that's all, next. That's all I have left. Usually, it goes one more the unpacking it have. dinner to Madison Square Garden. <laughs> yes. Usually, we catapult Absolutely. you to that's, that. That's what Um, so yeah so no but I I heard you there and then of course hear hear you at church all the time and and even as you're preaching you incorporate comedy and and what has been your approach to that because I I appreciate it because a lot of times you'll even handle heavy spiritual biblical topics right and you bring a you know uh there's a weight there but then you also bring kind of the easiness to it of for an audience member to kind of be able to absorb it and uh, accept it and understand it because you throw in a joke here and there. so what has it been your it up yeah Luci there thank you that's the word I was like
2: well as you know when I first when I first started communicating um, and I started to church and one of the thought processes is a lot of people when you're thinking about somebody if you if you imagine someone who's not had a faith background and they walk into an environment. Where there's people that are singing and doing stuff, and there's a communicator gets up. It's it's very, it's, you know, very uncomfortable. Possibly, you know, you know who knows? It's all different. And so my thought was, um, I, I have this phrase I use. It's the uncrossing of the arms. And so my goal always was in the first 5 to 10 minutes I want to help the person who's sitting there maybe for the first time to uncross their arms. Ah that's and good. and the best way and I've literally I mean when I say it's a metaphor but it's also literal cuz I've literally seen people that as you make them laugh and I usually do it in my introduction I'll do um some something funny and you'll literally see people begin to relax their arms. Mm. And so now let's have a conversation and, and then you can walk through it. And then I will, the other thing that I'll do is when it gets real tense and it starts to get serious, I will then try to pull it back a little bit. And, you know, I don't usually do as much funny during the message as I do at the intro, but then I'll. I'll just throw in some something funny to just pull it back just a little bit.
1: Yeah, to make us feel all right. You're you're good. That's right. You're oh, good. It's
2: starting to get tense. I oh, don't know. That's a tough topic. Oh, that's uncomfortable. Okay, relax. It's all
1: right. Yep, yep. So you we're always, gonna make it. You always keep us on our toes. That's for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, n- not that uh, members always accept every one of your jokes either. So, so that's always been uh, part uh, of the. Part of the battle as well. You know, it's funny. I've been
2: doing this a long time, and I still feel like I'm trying to figure that out. There's always the line. And, you know, I'm not sure if there. I don't know if I can ever not find the line. And Not that I'm doing it on purpose. It's just no matter what you do, it just seems like there's going to be somebody who's not happy. But even if you don't do jokes or try to be funny, I think people just today, especially because of the Internet, they shoot the email out before they think because there is some legitimate stuff that I've tried to be careful with because – And I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty chill guy. I don't really, I don't, don't don't get worked up about stuff so much. So I probably cross lines that some people are like, I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. You know, I'm not sure. So,
1: and that's, and that part of that is what comedy is, and and you can get caught up in it, and you're 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 trying to be funny, and and just even me goofing around with guys, and then all of a sudden you go, oh, I shouldn't have said that. and it's just, it just happens. Yeah.
2: The thing that I have a problem with when I'm speaking, I don't do this in comedy. But when I'm speaking is um, I'm a little bit, uh, you know, I'll say things off the cuff. Some, a lot of things aren't planned. I've got like a, a structure of where I'm going in the message. I know exactly what I'm going to do, but it's not verbatim. Yep. And when you don't have that, that's when problems can happen. You say something and you go, okay, that probably.
1: Yeah, you do don't it think so it through and you're caught idea. up in the moment. But it's
2: funny. I don't do that in comedy. Um, comedy is there's a rhythm to it. When I say comedy, as in when I'm performing. Stand up. Yeah, it's a your every word is planned.
1: Because mm-hmm. it not, sets up something later oh yeah, and all that so, kind of thing. So
2: there's not a lot of, maybe at the very beginning there's some crowd interaction, but usually when you get into the bits, it's every word's been said over and over, written mm. exactly, removing words that are too long, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, gosh, what a process that is. Well, man, it's been fun hanging out today, and, and we're going to have to wrap up our time uh for this episode but we'll have you back and and we'll get into to even more uh comedy topics faith topics and of course sports as well uh chris is a huge sports fan so uh man appreciate you coming in studio today and joining us here man thanks for having me on the unpacking it podcast he's chris roop check out chrisroop.com and you can check out some of his comedy bits and some of the videos that he's done so chrisroop.com up next we'll do unpack this to wrap up the show Before we do that, let me ask you this. Do you need health insurance? We'll get quotes for individual health insurance plans at healthmarketgenius.com. That's healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. So each week on the podcast, we wrap things up with Unpack This, a quick thought about sports, faith, and life. We also do this each weekday. We call it the Unpack This email devotional, and you can subscribe to receive that in your email inbox each weekday. Just go to unpackingit.com. And earlier this week, the uh, the big news in college football was a major coaching change, and this really caught me as interesting, and so I wrote about it on Thursday, and Basically Mel Tucker, new coach at Colorado, first season with them, he went 5 and 7. They were all excited about him kind of turning the program around. That was the hope, that was the the goal and and he was bought into that. And his name popped up for the Michigan State job initially. And so on February 8th, he tweeted out, "While I am flattered to be considered for the head coaching job at Michigan State football, I am committed to Colorado." For the build of our program. It's great athletes, coaches, and supporters. And so here he is, you know, doubling down as saying, hey, I'm I'm staying. He just finished up recruiting a, a class that was ranked 35th nationally. So a lot of optimism going on at Colorado. Well, then what happens? He switches his mind or changes his mind. He he switches teams and Michigan State comes in. They offer him more money, I think something like doubling his salary and give him a chance to to coach in the Big Ten, which, you know, is right up there with the SEC and and Michigan State has always been a strong program, or at least in recent years, I shouldn't say always, but uh, they've been solid, they're in the mix and, and so it, it's it's a good place to go. And the problem though is that he had to leave Colorado. And he's only, only been there 14 months, and he's already gone. And so all these recruits, they come and they they say, hey, I'm, I'm coming to Colorado, I'm going to play for Mel Tucker. And they commit, and he's out. And it just is a really tough situation because the reality is this is not uncommon in sports. We know that players transfer. We know that players leave early. We know that in you know professional sports, uh, pl- players get traded, released, All those kinds of things. So there's a lack of loyalty on the player side. Uh, They'll leave in free agency. Coaches leave on all different levels. Uh, GMs and and ADs can fire coaches in college football and in in pro football or whatever, whatever the sport. We we see it all the time. And so we're used to it. And what's funny is it all depends on who our favorite team is. Because with the Carolina Panthers, what, what did we do? I say we as I'm I'm a fan, but, but the Panthers went out and got Matt Rule, took him from Baylor. Then they went and got Joe Brady at LSU. And even though Joe Brady appeared to uh, acknowledge that he was going to stay at LSU, and as fans were like, all right, sweet, we, you know, we just got Matt Rule and Joe Brady, and so let's bring them here. And at the core of all of this is a lack of commitment. And loyalty. Now, Matt Rule leaves Baylor and, and kind of, you know, in some ways walks out on them. But then what? David Tepper commits to him, gives him this huge contract. So he's all in on Matt Rule. So now Matt Rule is connected to the Panthers. But in sports, we, we see it kind of go back and forth, and, and, and we've accepted the fact that there isn't always loyalty and commitment. And at any point, people can leave and change. But I bring all of this up today. To, to have a conversation and to consider what this means in our own lives, because oftentimes we struggle with full commitment. I mean, think about it. how many times have we changed our mind because a better option came along, or we bailed on something, or we said we'd be there and we didn't show up, or or even we're, we we won't commit To something we're like yeah maybe we'll be there and we're we're wishy-washy and and we're unreliable and people don't know if we're going to actually be there they don't really know to plan for our attendance or not and so we lack this this commitment in life and you know it's sad we see a lot of marriages fall apart and there's not this you know standard anymore it feels like that hey well, I guess it's still there. The standard's there, but man, we're not living up to it, I guess, in a lot of ways where marriages are ending and it's no longer that lifelong commitment that we committed to, that we set out to do, uh, that the, the vows were there and, and on our wedding day. And so, you know, it's just, it's concerning. We We don't always have loyalty and friendships and we don't always follow through on promises, and we don't really have deep connections at church or in the community and deep roots because we're always moving around or bouncing from church to church and, and all those kinds of things. And then, you, to take it a step further, th- these are also concerns when it comes to our faith. When we say that we're committing our lives to Jesus, we've got to commit to following His way and living differently. And, and this should be a, a big deal, but what happens? Sinful opportunities can entice us. And we can easily waver when selfish desires pop up and we don't feel like following Jesus. And so the the challenge each day is to really remain fully committed to God's word, to his way. The Bible tells us, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And I love this verse in Deuteronomy. It's in the message version. It says, if you say you're going to do something, do it. Keep the vow you willingly vowed to God, your God. You promised it, so do it. And thankfully, you know, we, are gonna, we do blow it, and we are going to blow it, but God is still committed to us because of his grace, because of his love. And so in view of that great love and faithfulness and grace that he shows us, let's be encouraged to take our commitment seriously. Let's be determined to remain loyal and fully committed in all areas of our life, committed to him committed to to the promises that we have to people and and sure things are going to pop up and we're going to have to leave jobs and and all of that sort of thing but let's choose commitment more often than than not and 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 really think about the, the you know the people that we're letting down and ultimately where is God leading us and 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 where are the ways he's he's calling us to really commit to be loyal to build roots to dig deep to dig in all those sort of things and so it's not meant to, to rip on Mel Tucker, uh, but but using his story as a story to consider in our own lives. It's not always cut and dry in sports and sometimes in life, too. Uh, but I think living a life where, yeah, that person is, he's committed, he's loyal. That's the kind of person he is. I think that's a great quality to have. It really is. We admire it in others, so we should live it out uh, in our own lives. So uh, I hope that you're willing to, to take, th- take on that challenge today. Uh, but thanks for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed Chris Roop. Uh, he's a funny guy. So we'll, we'll try to get him more on the show and uh, get him even more uh, <laughs> loosened up, riled up, and uh, you can hear more of his personality uh, maybe, maybe even the next time. So uh, we had a short time with him today. But, uh, but thanks for listening. Be sure to uh, rate the, the podcast. Leave your comments. Send me an email, Bryce at UnpackingIt.com, and we'll talk to you next week right here on the Unpacking It podcast. Until next time, I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great one. Thanks for listening.
0: For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit That's unpackin'it.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T dot We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, Visit unpackinit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.